Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the rugby pod. Goody is with me as usual, but no gym this week. So we've looked far and wide for a replacement. We've actually conducted a global search and nobody wanted to come on. So we have a friend of the show, Freddie Burns, joining us all the way from Japan. How are you, mate? Konbanwa, lads. All right. That's good evening in Japan, in Japanese, by the way. So, Mate, you could say anything and we believe it, Freddie. Mate, honestly, 99% of the time, that's what I do. I just make noises here at people and just smile and nod. <laughs> so how have you settled in? Obviously, you've been over there a few weeks now. I've, I've followed everything very closely on uh, Instagram. We know you quarantined for two weeks. I mean, that must have been pretty brutal. Uh, you had internet connection, so no doubt certain websites beginning with P got an absolute hammer in. Um, <laughs> how is life over there, pal? Mate, it's it's good, mate. It's good. It's It's vastly different to England. It's, I've, I've been here four weeks now, so I did my two weeks quarantine and then I've done two weeks of training. I actually had my first little run out on Saturday that we had a little pre-season game against the other Toyota team. I've literally trained for 10 days and the head coach is like, do you want to play? And I'm like, well, I'm pretty undercooked. I've had seven months off and they put me on for like 15 minutes. I was terrible, mate, but it only gets better than it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's good. It's good. Like I say, it's different and the, I'm getting to the stage this week where the holiday period is over. You suddenly realise that you're here to work and you know, certain frustrations align a little bit with, with the language barrier, especially being a fly-off, but it's the challenge and it was what I expected. So just working through it and trying to trying to nail down as much of the language as I can so I can have a good season. Well, how brutal was the, the lockdown? Because 14 days, was it 14 days in yeah. an apartment in Japan when you just landed in the country? Did you, I mean, where are you? We, we still didn't even know where you are. You said you were somewhere between Tokyo and somewhere else last time we spoke. Yeah, so I'm in I'm in a, a city called Korea. Not not Korea. Oh, North Korea. Happy days. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's basically just, it's near near uh, Nagoya, which is Japan's fourth largest city. So, uh, and, you know, quarantine was what it was. It was a bit, um, it was a bit tough, but I was allowed out to go and get food every day. So I went to the supermarket and I sort of took the long way around on my, on my push bike. So it was tough, mate, but it was part of it. And after having seven months off, wherever it was stuck in the UK, I was just happy to be out here and, and on the countdown to getting back into a bit of ruggers, mate. You're talking about you've you played a game already. You've been involved with a bit of rugby. You just make a few noises on the field. How hard is the language, mate? Because all I'm thinking, every time I walk into Nobu, they shout something at me. Are you shouting back at them? Yeah, Freddie Burns here, son. Freddie's son. So, so for the first sort of two weeks of training... You know, I thought I was coming, you know, I'm one of the cat players. It's very, it's very different how it works here, but I'm one of the cat players. And I'm on the ball and all these boys outside me are just going, Ari, Ari, like this. And I'm going, <laughs> hey, fucking, my, my name's Freddie, mate. I catch the ball again and they're like, Ari, Ari, like this. I'm like, wait, what the fuck's going on? And I spoke to Tootsie Peter. He's going, oh, no, mate, they're asking for the ball early. Oh, early. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so like, Literally, for the first two training sessions, I was like, mate, like, I thought I was coming here as like big dog. Big and dog. They're, call- <laughs> they're calling me Harry. I don't know whether they're being like, like Prince Harry or what. I was just sort of smiling and nodding. And yeah, apparently they just wanted the ball early. So I've just started shipping it on a bit earlier now. And has the chip and chase come out yet? Have, they, have you learned that in Japanese, chip and chase? Yeah, no no chips and chases just yet, mate. I'm just trying to just trying to find my feet, mate. Like Once I'm, you've got to walk before you can run, do you know what I mean? But uh, no, it is, mate. It's, it's hard. Um you can't just have those, you know what it's like as a Tengudi, you just want to turn around to someone and be like, mate, like I'll bounce out or come at the line with me. And you just can't say anything. You can't have those real quick conversations. You need to wait for the translator to come on. And then everything's like a little bit more long-winded. So it's, uh, it's definitely teaching me patience, mate. But 
like I say, it's part of the challenge. It's the challenge that I knew was gonna was gonna be here when I when I signed. And yes, it's proving uh, it's proving tough, but it's it's all good fun. Mate, if you're waiting for the translator to come on in phase play, you're absolutely fucked because you're getting buried by a massive Tongan number eight or something. That was it the weekend, mate. Like I was over. I, the nine got caught, and I went to sort of like secure him. And we played the uh, Toyota for Blitz, which finished in the top four last year. It's like uh, Willie Larue's team and. Kieran Reed's going to be there and I think Hooper's signed there as well. But They sound absolutely shit, don't they? But I've been on for five minutes, right? And I just sort of seal up. You know, I'm not hitting anyone. I'm just sealing over. And one of the Japanese boys is trying to say something to me and I don't know what it is. And he like slaps me on the back, sort of. And I kind of look back at him. And of course, as soon as I look back, their massive Tongan number eight scene that I'd done that and just counterrupt me, mate. Next thing you know, I'm back on my ass. They pick up the ball. They kick it 80 metres downfield. It goes out, I'm thinking... Oh, for fuck's sake, mate. Like, it's, <laughs> like, it's no cake, mate. Like, it's, it's, you know, and it's a bonkers place, mate, because there's only, uh, I think in my team, there's like 15 professionals. The rest train, and then they go and work for the company, and then they come back, and we train a bit later in the day. So it's like, it's a weird dynamic, mate, but the standard and the sort of attitude is very professional from the boys. So uh, we're a team that know that we're not the best, and they're trying to change that, and... Uh, and push on so hopefully as my language gets a bit better i can start having more of an influence but i think it just calls for a bit of patience at the minute and what was the scoreline on saturday did you take 50 or no it was close but i think we only lost by two tries in the end none of them scored we scored none when i come on because uh, because <laughs> they were calling me harry again my name's freddie but no mate yeah like the book mate i tell you what the boys have have gone well and the season doesn't start till january so it's such a long time what does a day look like then for you freddie because obviously you know you mentioned it there some of the boys are working in the companies uh, that are related to, to each team. Um, yourself, are you, are you getting into the, the factories after training as well and doing a, a bit of a shift? No, nah, mate, I take the free lunch and I go home, mate. <laughs> the minute I train from probably eight till 10 and then I go home and then I'm back in at 3.45 for a meeting and a rugby session. So, Freddie, one of the things, obviously, uh, Jim and myself spend a reasonable amount of time talking about, and it goes hand in hand with one of our sponsors this year, we talk about bush, and Jim obviously has a big bush. I've never seen a Japanese player without a bush, and I've played with a couple in my time. I need to know what are the changing rooms like over there, because you're a man that likes to manscape yourself. Tell me about some Japanese bush, because I bet there's some horror shows. Mate, I'm, I'm going to be honest, right? Over here, they have there's a, a, a communal onsen, onsen, it's called, which is a communal yeah. bath, right, at training. So boys were like, you know, a couple of the foreign lads had already trained, and they're like, mate, after training is sick, there's a big bath. We could all just get in, chill and all that. I was like, sweet. So I've rocked up and I worked out day one. The Japanese love three things, mate. A wide grip chin up, right? Yes. Run until they can't run no more. And a blooming hell of a bush, mate. <laughs> I, honestly, mate, I, they could have King Kong down there, mate. You wouldn't know. There's so much bush. <laughs> I come in and I, I'll leave a little bit of foliage, you know, not a lot. And I got one of the guys to actually trim it. A little bit. He had some clippers. They're doing haircuts, and I was like, "Mate, take a bit off, mate. Your missus will thank you." And he did it. And honestly, he just he just didn't look the same. <laughs> it's mind mind blowing, mate. I've seen I've seen nothing like it. Really? I think I need a, a team supply of of the trimmers, mate, from Manscaped out here to try and westernize the the Japanese way, mate, because. God, it is it's terrible, mate. Well, all you need to do, Freddie, is go to manscaped.com and you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code RugbyPod. I'll tell the boys, mate. I'll get them on it. Secret Santa. And it's waterproof as well, so you can take it along to the onsen, is it? Mate, I'm going to get Secret Secret. I'm not sure if they even do Secret Santa over here because I don't think they even celebrate Christmas. We've got a pre-season friendly on Boxing Day, but if there is anything, 
I'm going to uh, buy everyone a, a Manscaped, mate, and make sure the boys are all trim, ready for the start of the season. Yeah, if you haven't got yourself sorted, make sure you go to manscaped.com and use the code RUGBYPOD to get your 20% off. They are the very best in below-the-waist grooming, so they couldn't be a better fit for us, really, and they're offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. There you go. Your balls will thank you. Yeah, they certainly will. So smooth. Freddie, let's go back to the bush. Let's go back to the onsens. We're playing a lot of different teams over our careers in the UK and some players go in the showers with their cycling shorts on. Some players just walk in, bush out, don't they? Tell me about these onsens in uh, after training in Japan. They're big baths. And I think back to my days at Leicester. And do you remember the changing rooms at the back at Leicester where there was the big bath? I used to get in next to Darren Garforth and he'd try and give me a hug and drown me underwater. And he had all his bits flaking off everywhere. So it was horrible. But the onsens, are they clean? Are they dirty? Do you wee in them? Is the bush out everywhere? How's it, how's it happening? Well, you've got a shower before before you get in the onsen. The majority of the boys, you know, I'm, I'm, I was a firm believer. I was taught from a young rugby age, Goody, that you never trust a man who doesn't drink or showers with his boxes on. So Correct. I was like that, you know, and, and I, so I'm, I'm quite comfortable. So I got all the kit off, walked into the shower, mate. And... I kind of wish the boys did shower the boxes on, mate, because it is bushly. Like it is, <laughs> like it, it's like being in the mangroves somewhere, mate. It is, it is honestly like. But it is quite funny, sat naked in the shower, and there's just a, a bush sort of on top of the top of the water, mate. It's just, I just, I can't even. It'll be one of my one of my fondest memories. I'll take back with me, I reckon, mate. When this is all over, Goody, how's your week been, mate? Well, it's lockdown, isn't it? So, you know, it's fairly quiet, to be honest. Um, talk about Manscaped. Um, you know, I said last week that pre-lockdown, the missus went and had her eyelashes done and her nails done, and I went and had a sunbed. And um, we took it to a new level this week. So she said, look, the back's got a bit hairy again. Can I, um, can I wax it again? I was like, no, what's the point? We're at home. We're in lockdown. There's, there's no need to wax my back. So middle of the night, I was obviously snoring too loud. She complains every night that I snore like a pig. So she goes to one of the other spare rooms. At middle of the night, I'm lying face first into the pillow, and she wakes me up by ripping two wax strips off my back. So I'm raging with her, absolutely raging with her. Imagine that, in the middle of the night, you're fast asleep, and all she's done is put on one of those wax strips on your back and just hoiked it off. She looked at me and she said, that'll fucking stop you snoring, won't it, son? So I kicked her out of bed. I didn't kick her out of bed. I went in a sulk into the spare room. But yeah, not a lot, really. The kids are behaving themselves. Watched a bit of the Ruggers. Watched a very good game, actually, on Saturday morning, Andy Rowe. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, I did actually. I did. I took great pleasure in watching the All Blacks have their pants pulled down again. Two weeks on the trot. Yeah, New Zealand. How shit are you? Yeah, we're pretty shit. Foster out. It's sad to see, but it's also it's also great to see that see Argentina doing so well. They would have put forty on England over the weekend. You're being silly now. You're being absolutely ridiculous. But Freddie, I mean, you played against the All Blacks. It's the ultimate team. You beat the All Blacks single handedly, I believe, um, back in the day. Not many people have beaten the All Blacks, right? Not many England players have beaten the All Blacks. Argentina have never done it. What about the scenes after the game? You're seeing tears, Matera, during the game, when he's literally a minute in, he's had a pop at the ref saying, no respect, you no respect, that is not respect. Straight away, you're looking at Matera with that moustache, he's that hard, he's that passionate. New Zealand had no chance. It was unbelievable to watch, wasn't it? There's, there's, it's not an unravelling of New Zealand by any stretch, because they'll probably bounce back. Um and score 50 points this weekend. But there's something that they're kind of losing a bit of their aura, I think. They're, they're no longer that team that you can't beat. They've suddenly become like a pretty beatable team. And, you know, you love those games when a team just front up and it was spicy and they were physical 
And that's the kind of rugby that you sort of missed. And I think that small pocket of Argentinian crowd as well were sort of driving them along. And to see celebrations afterwards with the crowd in the, in the background and stuff like that was, was class. So, mate, fair play to Argentina. They've been developing for a while and it was about time they got a, a massive scalp like that. Mate, they haven't played in about four years, Andy Rowe, and they've beaten your, your first team. <laughs> like Argentina would still beat England at the moment, so. Not a chance, mate. But how good, how good that Argentina rocked up and just put one over New Zealand. Loved it. Freddie, you would have been pretty happy with what happened on Friday night, mate. Seeing Billy run out there and score his first points for Ireland. Oh, mate, it was uh, a very proud moment. You know, I think first and foremost, you never want to see someone like Johnny Sexton go off with the injury that he that he did. You know, hopefully it's, it's not too serious. But obviously, to see the little brother get on and uh, represent Ireland was was unbelievable. So a big day, mate. It was an early start for me. I was up at half three or something to watch the game, but. Yeah, it was worth it. So hopefully his head's not too bad. He can have another crack this weekend, but I guess we'll we'll wait and see. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Obviously, Johnny Sexton goes off. Billy comes on. He's playing pretty well. Slots a few kicks. Um, and then he ends up getting a concussion. Was it a full concussion? Was it just a bang on the head? Have you spoke to him? How is he? Does he know who you are? Yeah, I'll be honest with you, mate. Um, I called him up and he said, who's this? And I think that's just because <laughs> he's now cat, mate, and he's giving me shit rather than his head. <laughs> but uh, no, but I, I spoke to him. He was all right. I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know the extent of it or whether he had to go through. Uh, I think he passed his HIA, but that'd be a bit of speculation for me. I don't really know. But it's just hugely proud, mate. I, I've, I've always... We've spoken about it when he's had good performances for Ulster and when Gloucester signed Cipriani, there was a real tipping point in his career and he, he could have been a frustrated second-choice fly-half at Gloucester and right now be struggling to find a club that would that would start him. But instead, he, he chose to go over to, to Ulster and he's just grown and grown in the years that he's been there and he's finally got his, his reward. And also, I think it's, you know, he was close in the, in the Six Nations before the coronavirus happened and... He came back and he wasn't too happy with how he played in the in the semi final and final of the of the Pro 14 and you know, I think he was kind of worried that his opportunity might have might have gone but he went well against Cardiff and Andy Farrell to be fair has has, has backed him and you know, I thought he got his rewards on on what was it Sat- well Saturday morning my time Friday night your time and uh, yeah I just couldn't be proud to make see him get on and, and kick his goals and. And beat, all right, a pretty poor Welsh team, but still they needed beating, didn't they? Yeah, they did. It's interesting, actually, because Jim speaks on here a lot and he's always bagging Johnny Sexton saying he's passed it. Where do Ireland go next? You know, obviously Ross Byrne was involved. Billy's now come on the bench and come on and done pretty well. Are you in Jim's bandwagon that Johnny Sexton's got to go, Matt? It's Billy's time now. It's Billy's time to dominate that jersey. Um, I don't think it is. I, I, think, I think it's hard because you could argue that no one's been given the opportunity to stake their claim. But then you also turn around and say that Johnny Sexton has been one of the best tens in world rugby for, for the large part of, of a decade. So it's like, it's the trouble that you have if you have someone, a real stalwart like Johnny Sexton at 10 is, is replacing him. But, you know, like I say, you can argue that no one's really stepped up in, and taken it. And now is Bill's opportunity and hopefully he can, he can sort of force his way in there and, and cause questions for for the coaches. But, you know, if he's not fit this weekend, obviously we don't know the extent of his injury. Hopefully it's nothing too serious, but I feel like it's about time. And obviously I'm going to say this because my little brother's potentially the one who's going to fill the boots. But even if it was a, a Ross Byrne or, you know, uh, a Jack Carty, someone with less, less experience than Sexton, they need to start putting tens into the firing line of big internationals like England. And 
regardless of what happens on Saturday, if, if Bill plays and it ends up being a, a bit of a, you know, England end up winning the game comfortably or Ireland don't play that well, that exposure to top flight international rugby means that when the day comes when Johnny Sexton does step away from international rugby, they've actually got someone who's been exposed to that and can learn from that experience and push on, which you can argue they haven't done at all while, while Johnny Sexton's been at 10. And the reason for that is because he's a world-class player at the end of the day. Freddie, when you, when you talked about your, um, your brother having a few things to learn at international level, what, what, what are those things? I think it's just that exposure, mate. Like it's, you know, there's, there's no, um, there's very small room for error. The physicality, the speed of the game is, is ramped up from what, from what your club game is. And also just being able to handle the big stage. Now, I have no doubt that my little brother can, can handle that. And I know him personally. And it's knowing that on that big stage, as a fly half, you have to keep stepping up and stepping up regardless of what happens. And, and you need to expose people to that. I don't know what, how, how Goody feels, but I always felt that, you know, I only got five international caps, but in a weird way, they were almost the easiest games to play in because obviously the physicality was different and, and the speed was different, but everything happens so quick and everyone knows their jobs that you don't really get a chance to think, you know, before you've even thought about it, it's probably happened. But then on the flip side of that is if you make a couple of mistakes, you have to park it up quick and, and understand the pressures of representing your country, which, you know, comes with exposure and, and game time. And you go back to James O'Connor, I remember his first few caps for Australia, all due respect, he was pretty average, but they kept picking him and they put him in. And by the time he got to 10, 15, 20 caps, for a while, he was one of the best in the world. And he was unbelievable because he's, it's then not a big daunting thing to him. It's something that is, he's used to, he's acclimatized to, and he could just push on. And I think that's where Ireland need to go with, with, with their fly halves and, and, and their players in general when you lose you know, the likes of you know, Rob Carney, Johnny Sexton, uh, Rory Best, and, and these kind of guys. You need to have these guys exposed to top flight international rugby. I think that's dead right as well when you look at it. And on, you mentioned about playing international rugby then, Fred. I, obviously, when I played it, it was basically because Johnny Wilkinson and about 10 other fly-offs were injured uh, when I got my shout. But it was very similar under Johnny, wasn't it? Johnny was head and shoulders above anyone else. And when he didn't play because of injuries, England were poor. And that was basically when I played. But you talk about succession planning and you want to pick your best players. Of course you do. But it seems that way with Ireland. Johnny Sexton's so dominant. At some point, it has to come to an end. Everyone's career does come to an end. Billy's in a prime position now. He's How old is Billy now? What is he, 20, 26, 26, 27? Yeah. So, you know, he could have a good six, seven, eight years at international rugby, potentially. Johnny Sexton's still going to be around for a couple of years, no doubt. But the more they blood him now and give Billy potentially this start at the weekend against England. He'll know a lot of the English guys as well. It becomes more habitual for him and he gets used to that pressure that, that you know, that you have much less time on the ball. And I've said it on this podcast before. You watch Carter in his pomp playing for the All Blacks. He looks like he's got so much time on the ball. When I played international rugby, it was just panic station. So I was like, fucking kick it. What do I do? Like, and you know what it's like, don't you, Fred? It's yeah, so hard, yeah. isn't it? Because it's so much quicker and you fill in someone's boots that has been an absolute legend for the country. So yeah, I'd love to see Billy start this weekend. You know, Sexton's not played that well, let's be honest, against England over the last few times he's played. Um, whether it's an English club team or it's the England national team at, at Twickenham last year. And you think about it, Ireland get bullied by England and have done for the last three or four times they've played them. Ever since England went over to Dublin in the Six Nations, I think it was a couple of years ago, 
I think then since we played them in warm-up games and Six Nations last year, we just bully them at the advantage line and out-muscle them. And I think it'll be more of the same again this weekend. But one of the things I need to talk about is how bad away I was. What's gone on there? Because you talk about players coming long in the tooth. Jim went after Alan Wynne-Jones last week. He wants him out of the team. He wants him off the British Lions playing as well. Um, what's happening? Because they were poor, weren't they? Wales just have no confidence. I feel like Gatland was a huge shield for them. And I feel like he was, obviously he's been an integral part of, of Welsh rugby for for so long. And and you kind of get that that change. And, you know, PVAC's probably trying to implement maybe a different style and maybe players aren't quite on board with it yet. It's, it's very hard to say, but I agree with Goody in the fact that they just looked... They just looked shot on confidence and lacked a lot of ideas. Like, you know, you kind of don't expect that from Wales. You know that they're a team that, yeah, they like to implement their kicking game. They like to be physical and, and sort of strangle teams to, to death. But just, yeah, just the lack, of, the lack of imagination and the lack of attacking ability was, was poor. And as much as it was, you know, quite tight up until, you know, the try at the end to a certain point, like they were never really in it. You never really saw them sort of challenging Ireland. Ireland always looked in in control. So it's hard to say, but uh, it's got to be something to do with the, the changes, I reckon. And just, just going to take a little bit of time. I know people are calling for for PVAC's head. You've got to just give them time to just settle in. It's, it's a big change after you've had someone for, for so long. So it's hard to say, but they've got Georgia this weekend. So hopefully they can put in a performance in and get a little bit of confidence back. People forget that, and Freddie, you'll, you'll have seen this when you've watched them. When Wales played under Gats, it wasn't pretty rugby at all. It wasn't exhilarating rugby. It was Warren Ball, big, physical, abrasive. They were hard to beat because their defence was so strong under Sean Edwards. Their fitness and their physicality were the two kind of pillars that they built their game on. And I just look at it now. They've tried to change how they're playing a little bit and play, the, amount, the amount of ball handling errors they're making. They didn't actually pass that much under Warren. But under Pivac, they're obviously trying to expand their game a bit. And it's just taken a huge amount of time. And under that becomes a massive load of pressure from the Welsh public because you're hearing people calling for Pivac's head now, aren't they? And I mentioned it last week, go and get Scotty Robertson if you've got to make the change. You know, get him two years before a World Cup because Pivac's contract finishes. I think it finishes at the end of the Six Nations, doesn't it? Um, so, uh, mate, it's really tough and it's really sad to see. You know, they tried to be physical early on. You saw Liam Williams getting stuck into James Lowe. How did that work out for you, Liam? Not so great because James Lowe ended up having an absolute world of a game and scored at the death as well when you missed the tackle. But I don't know, there's just something missing and a lot of it is to do with the changes they've made at the helm. Um, obviously, you know, defensive structures that... It just looked comfortable for Ireland, didn't it? I think as well, it's, it's, it goes back to that, that Johnny Sexton debate so you suddenly start wanting to change things and blood a new player in or change the way the team's playing and you don't initially get the results people expect. What do you do then? It's the coach's head. It's very hard for a coach to turn around and say, like, is it time for, you know, Dan Biggers a world-class player? And I'm not saying this is my opinion, but is it time to start someone like Sheedy who's shown a little bit of attacking X factor in, in the premiership? Like, you know... Is this Autumn Nations Cup a time for coaches to experiment, try new things, blood new players? Or is it you're dining at the top table and it's win at all costs? It's like we could be very contradictory and say, you know, 
it's time for Sexton to move to one side and plug <laughs> the next 10. That's personal though. Let's get Billy in. But you do that and Ireland don't get the results. Suddenly we're sat here in three weeks time going, I'll tell you what, Andy Farrell's got to go because Ireland aren't getting the results. <laughs> so it's like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it is very, um, it's, it's a very tight line to, to walk across. But, you know, Wales have got to make a decision. The, the top dogs in, in Welsh rugby have got to make a decision. If Pivac's their man, they've got to back him and give him time. You heard it here first. Freddie wants Faz out unless he picks Billy. That's all I, that's all I took from that. <laughs> hey, no, no, no. Faz, I, I like Faz a lot. I've got a lot of time for him. Do you guys actually see a different uh, style of play from Wales there? Do you, is their new style not matched up to their skill set? Yeah, I think, I think so. And listen, don't get me wrong. These boys are talented. So Liam Williams is a quality player. You've got Davis in the centres. Let's not forget a couple of years ago, he was the Lions player of the tour. You know, these are world-class operators. Dan Bigger's got a ridiculous skill set. But you're changing a mentality of a team of the way you play that it used to just go and crash bash, Warren Ball, big old 12, hit it up, big ball carries. And they didn't play attractive rugby under Gats. Let's not beat around Jim's bush here because, you know, we're not talking about the Welsh teams of old that chucked it around everywhere, the, you know, the old 70s, 80s era. We're talking about a successful period under Gats that were built on foundations of just tough ruggers, like not overly expansive you know you're not looking at half penny thinking he's going to rip the world up from fullback these days are you but they are still quality players and you know there's a different voice at the helm there's a different mindset around actually trying to put a bit more width on it and they haven't got the skills at that level and as freddie spoke about the international level if you're not ain't used to doing it at that speed that intensity with that much less time on the ball then you're going to make errors and that's what ireland did to them ireland hounded them didn't they you know, defensively they look good and Wales just made error after error and I don't think the ref, I mean, Matthew Raynal, I mean, it's not Wales' fault that he was the ref but he was shocking. I mean, what's he doing? Even when you got David Flatman calling you out for scrum penalties because he doesn't even know what he's doing, there's definitely something wrong. Speaking of Ireland, we caught up with Ireland and Lions legend Sean O'Brien a little earlier to get his thoughts on the game against England this weekend and to look at the Lions tour to South Africa in the summer among some other things. So have a listen to this. We're the first week of a new premiership season. You've come back from a horrific sort of spell on the sidelines um, with your hip injury and everything that went with it. How is the body right now? And obviously a short pre-season, shortest one ever. You must be feeling pretty good about yourself, hey? You have not been flogged for too long. Yeah, exactly. No, it's it's it's, it's really good at the minute. It's um, it's actually been good for me, I suppose, having a real long run into this preseason and into the start of this week because of the 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 way things went at the end of last year. I had a bit of a hamstring strain. Probably wasn't it wasn't a major thing, but the boys gave a lot of the younger lads a run, and um, I kind of just start getting ready and and um, for this season. So it's it's been quite good, and uh, I've really enjoyed the last kind of six weeks of hard training and. The matches are upon us now, so really looking forward to, to Worcester away this weekend. Let's talk about your movement over here then, because obviously, you know, you had a, a wonderful career over in Ireland. Uh, Leinster, you were an absolute legend uh, for both Leinster and Ireland. Um, you come over here and you had the big injury, didn't you? How hard was that to come over to a new club, a new country, a new kind of culture um, with such a serious injury when, let's be frank, some people may have been writing Sean O'Brien off, which, you know, not off in terms of what you've achieved, but how bad your injury was. Was it really difficult mentally as well? Yeah, it was. It was pretty. I suppose that when I when I made the decision to get the operation on the hip, the hip resurfacing, it was going to be a, a kind of a shot in the dark. Uh, um, so 
I was kind of um, I was apprehensive enough about coming over and kind of seeing what see what lies ahead over a, a six month period. I had to prove my fitness in that period, or you know, if contract was no good to me or, or to slope like. So it was an interesting one, and you know, thankfully it's worked out brilliantly. But it was. Um, you know, I suppose there was a lot of worry there and you're kind of thinking, Jesus, I don't want to go to this. I don't want to go to a club here now and let them down either. So, you know, I'd done everything in my power to get back and I, I worked incredibly hard. And in fairness, the, the physios in Leinster uh, for the first three months of rehab really were in, in contact with London Irish and the transition between two between both was, was brilliant. And I just I was just allowed to crack on with my work and take my time and, you know, get through it all and then see where I was at the end of it. And, uh, you know, it's been brilliant since. Absolutely brilliant. So, like a new man. And let's talk about the, the actual operation then because I've, I've read the book. I've read extracts from how much pain you were in. Um, you know, you said you're waking up for two hours a night in absolute agony. You know, a lot of people, a lot of less people would have just chucked the towel in then and said, listen, I'm, I ain't playing anymore. It's just impossible to, to crack on even the thought of having a big operation. But you love a challenge, right? You always have as a player the way you've taken to the game and play the game. How brutal was it, the pain that you were in and, and just getting out of bed every day when, you know, you knew a miracle operation, which is pretty much what it is, um, could get you back? Yeah, it was... It was um... It was a tough time in my life. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'd be quite, uh, I'd have a high uh, pain threshold as well. And um, not too much would fluster me ever. But this was really wearing me down. And it was wearing me down mentally. It was wearing me down physically because I wasn't able to do what I, was, what I wanted to do on the field every day of training. And, um, you know, it was frustrating me then because my performances were suffering. I wasn't... The, the person I wanted to be around the squad I didn't have the influence I wanted to have on the squad at the time and um, <clears throat> yeah it was it came to a boiling point then where I just couldn't try keep managing it um, I wasn't able to run properly I wasn't able to get off the ground you know I wasn't able to poach you know so I was I was waking up and wasn't sleeping at night time <laughs> there was so much going on and I was like I, like I did ask myself that question a few times like I was like just finish up like stop putting yourself through this torture and then when I when I talked to the surgeon and he gave me all the options, it was kind of, well, I don't want to go out like this. I want to give it a good crack. And, um, you know, I was happy then when I had the operation. The minute I woke up the next morning, I had no pain. So regardless of rugby at that stage, I was so much happier in myself. I was sleeping for I, after the week after the operation. I slept like fully through, like for eight to ten hours a night. I was like a, I was like a different animal at the end of the first week after the op. So I was... Um, as I said, regardless of rugby, I was in a way better place. And obviously, you've written your book um, that's come out now, and um, you know it's, it's obviously from your early days all the way through to the present day. Uh, it's called Fuel, though, isn't it? And all I can think of is either what I'm putting in my Range Rover or what I'm putting in my body. And, and what I put in my body isn't fuel. It's chocolate, it's biscuits, it's all the bad stuff. Tell me, where does fuel come from? What, what, what's the, the reason behind the name? First of all, congrats on all in a Range Rover. So that must oh, be Oh, well, you know, <laughs> play for England, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, it's kind of come from what drove me, really, like um, from a young age, because from, from where I'm from back home, um, there's never been anyone. It's not a big rugby area, so it's grown a lot now in the last six, seven, eight years. But I was the first one from the county, uh, Carlo, where I'm from at home in a little place called Tolo. I was the first one ever to. Um, to uh, get an international cap um, at senior level, and then obviously go on and play with the Lions. So it was—it's something I've kind of had. A, I've had a bit of a chip on my shoulder the whole way throughout my career about that, because there was a lot of people down home probably didn't really rate me that well at the time when I was, you know, 
on my youth days. And then uh, as I got a little bit older, they probably didn't think I'd, I'd probably get to where I got to. So I kind of had that in the back of my head that I wanted to prove a lot of people wrong. But I also wanted to give hope to a lot of the younger guys, you know, that were coming through the, the rugby club system at home that it could be done. Um, let's talk about World Cups then, because World Cups and Irish rugby, they're not best friends, really, uh, sometimes. We'll go back to your what, experience in 2015. I know you missed the quarterfinal because you were banned. You, you punched Pascal Pape uh, to get the bump. Please tell me it was a hell of a shot. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could do it, hit them another thump now when I see him again. <laughs> um, it's so hard, isn't it? You know, you missed out on that quarterfinal against Argentina, which was, you know, from the outside seemed a bit of a shock. Um, that Argentina was so dominant. Do you look back on you know World Cups and, and and what is the problem with Ireland at World Cups? Because 2019 World Cup again, you know there were big favourites going in in terms of winning the group and and obviously you know you end up playing New Zealand and getting humped a bit there as well. And you missed out from injury for that, but it must be really hard for Irish people. Um, I remember seeing the boys over in Portugal actually pre World Cup and they were like, well we're not booking our tickets because we've never got past a. Uh, you know, got to a semi-final. Um, is there, is there a, a bit of a headache there around that with Irish players? Um, there probably is a bit now, I think, because um, it's happened, you know, three World Cups in a row. I think um, I think we had our best kind of strength and depth probably going into the 2019 one, but um, we just weren't playing well enough. Teams had us figured out. I think we were obviously unbelievable in 2018. Uh, end of 17, 18, we're really, really good. Very hard to break down. Uh, very hard to figure out and get on top of but you know that 2019 even leading into the Six Nations you know we were bullied by England another few teams got stuck into us messed us up a little bit and we just never really looked like we were going to fire on all cylinders in that World Cup and then anything can happen with the Irish team and that's what we know we can beat people on any given day and you look at that New Zealand game you get picked against them in a quarter final and it's it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough day at the office anyway but you know we squandered a few opportunities in the first half that were certainly try opportunities and it could be different but you're still against you're still not firing on all cylinders leading into that game and you know you go to 2015 you lose five of your best players probably at the time in Paul O'Connell Pio Manny Jared Payne I'm banned, you miss Johnny. So at that stage, we probably hadn't uh, the massive amount of depth that we needed either. So that's been a problem. And I think they're getting there with that type of thing now because you look at them last weekend, the amount of players to come back into the squad, the Tyke Furlongs and these boys, Ryan Baird, the young fellow who's playing tonight for Leinster. There's a few lads like that, Dan Levy, um, if he gets back to full fitness again. So it's going to be, it'll be interesting and it'll be interesting to see how the next one goes. But... I think the good thing about the current crop of younger guys in Irish rugby is they have no fear. And by the time it gets there, some of the older lads will be gone from, the, from that World Cup scenario again. And it'll just be them. Um, so it'll be interesting, but it's, it's certainly a thing that hasn't went well for us, for sure. And obviously we've seen a change. Joe Schmidt uh, ended his tenure after the World Cup. Andy Farrell's taken over. Are you in touch with boys in the camp? How are they finding it? I know... Um, you know, there was a disappointment with the performance against England in the Six Nations. That game's back on this weekend. How are things settling in now for the Irish boys after a massive win last week against Wales? Yeah, yeah. By all accounts, I haven't. I kind of left them to their own devices. Obviously, now I don't like interrupting them when they're in that in that in that um, in camp as such. But um, yeah, I think I think things are are good and um, they're developing kind of their style, the new style that they want to try and play. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend. Now again, I think. They played pretty well, uh, pr- pretty well against Wales last weekend at times, um, and defended pretty well. But there was there was sloppiness there too. 
that they'll have to tidy up on um, going in against this English team this weekend because um, if there's any of that, England will just punish you. And we've seen what they can do, uh, the damage they can do over the past two seasons when given the, the opportunities. So they'll they'll take a lot of learnings, I suppose, and, and keep trying to develop in their game over the next uh, period of time. And this is a good opportunity now. All these games that are coming up for them to do that. And just looking at the game, you mentioned earlier England uh, kind of bullied Ireland a couple of years ago in the Six Nations game. And they've had the kind of wood over them since in terms of that physical edge. How do you reckon the game will go this week? Do you reckon Ireland are going to front up physically compared to what they used to against England? Because it just seems every time over the last few years that Ireland play them, it's, it's you know, England just need to muscle up and it's, it's a victory. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think you'll see, a, I think you'll see a different Irish side this, this weekend. I think they they know like that they've been out muscled um, probably the last two uh, two occasions that they've played definitely, and I always say it there's a little bit of madness that has to come out on us against the bigger physical teams and um, you know because we're not we're not a huge huge uh, side um, compared to the Englands or you know even the Argies etc. But you know we can we can play on our day so it's just about fronting up first and foremost and then um, getting into the groove but. Uh, I want to, I want to see a bit of a, a mad performance by the Irish boys this weekend. Sounds like they need you back in the team, pal. That crazy <laughs> Tolo tank in there. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, we've seen Sexton's out this week. You know, obviously he's the skipper. They're so reliant on him as a leader as well. Um, who would you pick? Would you pick Billy Burns or would you pick Ross Byrne at ten? Um, do you think they need to start looking and not relying solely on Sexton as much? Yeah, well, they're go- they're going to have to do that as well. Um, just just to keep developing those boys. I thought Billy had some um, really nice touches last weekend and there's probably a few things he has to touch up on as well. But um, if it was me, I'd probably play Ross Byrne. I just think he's played in, in a few of those big, big um, Champions Cup games for Leinster and, and done really well. And he's a little bit of a different player. He'll, he'll pin teams back a little bit as well. And that might be no harm this weekend and just turn that big English pack around and, um, you know, play a good field position and... Um, you know, he certainly knows how to run the team and he knows the system inside out at this stage. So, yeah, I'd probably go Ross probably and, and put Billy on the bench again. Uh, but it'll be an interesting one to see what kind of team is picked this weekend. I think Robbie Henshaw is out as well, by all accounts. Yeah. Seen to play on the media. So that's another big blow for them as well. Um, one of our physical leaders. And then just looking at yourself, I know you've moved over to London Irish and that naturally probably takes you out of Irish selection. Have you still got a burning desire to prove yourself and try and get back on the international scene? I know you've mentioned before that you want to kind of get back to physical peak fitness and form and, and put your hat in the ring for the Lions Tour in South Africa. Yeah. Um, is it something, I know Zebo's sort of had a, you know, playing at the top of his game, can't get picked. Do you think they should change that law for certain players? Um, you know, I think I think it's there and you know that when you leave. So you can't you can't kind of whinge and moan about it. Um, would I love to play for Ireland? 100% I'd love to play for Ireland again. There's no doubt about that, but um, not in the current uh, circumstances. And and to be fair, those younger guys that are coming through are absolutely flying um, and really, really putting their hands up at, at test level and playing really well. So, you know, I haven't done anything, obviously, in the last year at all, rugby-wise. Um, so I need to, first and foremost, make sure I'm playing with London Irish every week and then see where that takes me. Get back into a bit of form and get, get a bit of... Um, uh, I suppose match fitness back and just toughen up a little bit and and uh, you know play a week every week and then see where I am at the end of it. Good stuff. Well, I mentioned the Lions tour. Um, you know, you're obviously on the Lions tour down in New Zealand. You made some decent comments afterwards. 
um, that were quite interesting. Uh, I quite enjoyed them. It's just honesty, right? And there's that line between honesty and some people go, oh, it's just being negative. But um, was there a bit of a fallout around that or was it just you saying, listen, this is what happened. This is how it worked. I got no problem with telling the truth. Whereas a lot of players wouldn't be able to do that, would they? Yeah, it's, it, was, it was kind of taken out of context a little bit. It wasn't, I didn't want it to come across as an attack on, on uh, Rob or anything like that. And I explained that after to when I when I when I spoke to them um, on the phone about it. But um, I was just giving my views, I suppose, on what could be improved going forward. Because I suppose when you've so so long to um, to plan for a thing like that, you know, hopefully those things are in place. And you know, leading into South Africa, maybe maybe they might have learned a few bits and pieces from that tour. And for us as as players, I suppose it's it's a lifetime opportunity to go and beat the All Blacks in the Lions series. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to be completely negative or anything like that. It was just the fact that I was. Um, it was just the fact that I was airing my views, and I suppose I had aired them over there as well to Gats, and that was fine. And I think when I spoke to him on the phone afterwards, when it all came out in the media, um, he understood where I was coming from, and I understood, you know, his side of it too. But you know, there's there's definitely learnings to be taken from it from both sides. I probably could have said in a, in, a, in in probably a different manner as well. But Gats is still okay with you, so there is a chance that I've been picked for. Well, ho- ho- hopefully, is anyway. So I've I've no grudge against him. <laughs> Good stuff. Obviously, Lions players and uh, you know Irish internationals go hand in hand. Uh, there's always numerous boys on the tour. Um, any kind of late bolters that you can see making the tour that perhaps people wouldn't necessarily know much about at the minute uh, coming out of Ireland. I know the Leinster boys are on fire week in week out in the Guinness Pro Four team, but internationally, have you got some standout players that could? Be a late bolter. I think. I think if I was to pick anyone, it could be Ryan Baird, if he gets keeps fit with Leinster first and foremost, and and um, you know gets a few gets a few games at Ireland. Um, he is an absolute athlete, really intelligent rugby player, but um, someone who could go over there and, and definitely do a job. Other than that, you're looking at James, the James Ryans and, and Dan Levy if he gets fit as well. Um, you know, they're both class players, so I'd, I'd hope to see a good few Irish on it. Well, we'll chat about the other Autumn Nations Cups games now, but first, if you haven't seen the launch of the new British and Irish Lions shirt yet and haven't already grabbed yourself one, then head over to Lovell Rugby and use the code RUGBYPOD15 to get 15% discount off the whole British and Irish Lions range. That's lovellrugby.co.uk and that's the code RUGBYPOD15 for 15% off. Go and check them out now. England, Georgia, goody. You were picking them by 50, 50 odd points, weren't you, mate? What happened? It rained. It rained, didn't it? You know, it came down to a bit of a scrum fest. There was going to be loads of errors because of the weather. You know, Georgians, did they test us a little bit? You know, England and Freddie will know a bit more about this than me because he's more in touch with the game and still playing the game. Our attack, and I said it last week, didn't I? You want to see some fluent attack, and it was difficult because of the weather. Elliot Daly's try was a nice play out the back, and, you know, we finish off around the edge, you know, you get a Georgian defender to bite in. But in reality, it just became a battle of brawn, didn't it? And, you know, it wasn't pretty. Is it a banana skin? England were never going to lose, but you're looking for a performance. And the weather put paid to actually our ability to go through decent phases and put some decent structure on the game. But it's still a question mark, isn't it, around England? Um, You know, our attack has been a bit flat uh, in the last couple of games. You know, we play Ireland this week. I don't think we'll change too much from from what we've done previously uh, against Ireland we'll be physical you know we'll kick a lot 
Um, and I think that's what Eddie Jones has been doing, preparing for the bigger games. Yeah, you ain't going to just chuck it around in the in the rain willy-nilly, are you, against a Georgian team? And that was the one thing that people wanted to see, but you know, the weather put pay to that. Freddie, did you manage to catch that game? I've, I've got to be completely honest, lads. When I chose between sashimi and, and a bit of sake or England-Georgia, I chose sashimi <laughs> and some sake, mate. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, it was one of those games, I saw a bit of the highlights and it's job done for England, isn't it? No one's going to sit there at the end of this Autumn Nations Cup and say, oh, that was a that was a key win against Georgia, wouldn't it? You know, it's not a barometer that England are going to sort of me- measure themselves up against. That said, you know, I think it's great exposure to see a team like Georgia in, in a competition like this and and getting that exposure to that top, top test match um, sort of intensity. So, yeah, it wasn't a game that I particularly played too much interest, but it's job done for England and they'll just want to come through unscathed and, and into Ireland. And I guess that weather meant that they had got plenty of scrum practice and, and chasing kicks, really. Hey, mate, we're good at driving malls as well. Jamie George, three meat pies from driving malls. I, I'm just trying to find some real highlights to talk about from that <laughs> game because it was like, the highlight probably was, Freddie, what sashimi was it? Because I fucking love sashimi. Mate, I went to his place, right? Sorry, I went to his place. Everything come out. Everything was raw. Mate, I had a raw prawn. What? I'm not sure if you're allowed. I was like, mate, you're not allowed. And they're like, oh, eat it, eat it. I was like, don't eat you up. Just, mate, if they're, saying, if they're saying eat it, just get it down your son. Mate, unbelievable. Yeah, England game wasn't great, was it, in terms of that? And yeah. what's doing my head in, and I feel really bad, there's just no atmosphere, is there? Because there's no fans. And you can kind of cope with it at club level. But when you see an international, you know, and you, it just takes the shine off it completely, doesn't it? And, you know, you see Jack Willis makes his debut, you know, scores a try early on. Ugh, it's just... It's hard, isn't it? Because the, it's the Beal and Endor playing international rugby. Billy gets his first cap this weekend. Imagine that is a ramp-packed Aviva Stadium. Billy's first cap coming off the bench, the cheers, the feeling, and he's playing in front of an empty stadium. It's so tough for the boys, um, but I suppose they'd rather that than not be playing at all, eh? Mate, I actually felt, I actually felt really bad because I put up a video on Instagram of... Because it just so happened that my first international points were pretty much exactly the same place as Bill's first international points and like the commentary yeah. was pretty much exactly the same so I thought oh this would be nice like two brothers playing for two different countries I put it up I got absolutely hammered you're like nah we, we get you mate I'll play for England Twicken in front of 8,000 beat the All Blacks you beat uh, Wales in front of did. no one uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, felt, I felt like I was like fuck is that how it looks like did you guys hear about uh, Eddie Jones's latest soundbite where he was saying how the last two games against Italy and Georgia haven't helped prepare them for the game against Ireland and it's like going from playing Keir Nishikori to Novak Djokovic? Mate, Eddie Jones. He said last week he was going to pick nine forwards to start the game. <laughs> Nothing happened. He's now talking about Nishikori and Novak Djokovic. He just talks in riddles. Like hybrid players. There's no hybrid players, Eddie. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it against Georgia. You ain't doing it against Ireland this week. And, you know, they kicked a lot of ball away in those two games, so maybe he's only got himself to blame. But I don't think England will change how they play at all against Ireland. So um, it's just Eddie Jones and his soundbites again, isn't it? Oh, mate, my pet hate is people who just compare to other sports, but sports that have no relevance to rugby. You'll get a sports psychologist come in once, and I won't, I won't name this person, but they were like, uh, oh, so Steve Redgrave, every day he woke up, no matter what the weather was, he said, oh, this is our perfect conditions. And I'm like... Yeah, but getting in a rowing boat when no, like if someone could knock him out of the rowing boat, right, while he's rowing along, you got a point. But while it's yeah. you just fucking, don't compare rugby to rowing or sprinting or anything. If it was a blooming, like you could just run across lanes and whack people and trip each other up, I get it. 
So don't compare rugby to tennis or players to tennis or rowing or these individual non-contact sports. It just doesn't work. Sorry, that's my rant. Thank you. Good rant, Freddie. I like it. So you, you don't like Eddie Jones either? Well, he's never picked me for England, so I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> or see Ian Reardgrave. So, so who? So Steve, mate. So Steve, so have Steve. some respect on your own. Or Steve Redgrave. Why don't you call him Ian? Ian. Ian, Ian Redgrave. <laughs> <laughs> that's the arrogant Kiwi oh, again, isn't it? That's class, mate. That's class. Italy, Scotland, big win for Jim. He would have been giving us loads of detail on how Scotland uh, got their win over Italy, but um, he's not here. So what do you guys make of that? Yeah, it wasn't a great game, let's be honest. A lot of these games haven't been great, have they? Because there's no atmosphere. But fair play to Italy. They rocked up. They were physical, abrasive with Scotland. I was desperately hoping, what were they, 11-7 up at half time? I stuck it out on Twitter. Jim would be nervous. How good would it have been if Italy had beaten Scotland? And it boiled down to it boiled down to a bit of a dodgy penalty call that led to a Scotland try, which took them out of the game. But yeah, I mean, Italy are improving. Just gutted they couldn't get one over Scotland. I gotta admit, I chose tempura prawns and a ramen over that, mate. (laughs) 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 Nah, um, mate, I I was gutted for Italy, but at the same time, Duncan Wears do deserves a, a result, doesn't it? So it's again, it's, it's, it's job done for, for Scotland, isn't it? It's unfortunate to see France Fiji game called off because of COVID, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's obviously to do with the positive COVID tests. And all I'm going to say is I can only blame a couple of people really. Well, 13 of them. The Barbar's 13. Chris Robshaw going out on the piss and then taking it back into the Barbar squad. Maybe that's where some of the Fijians picked it up from. Because oh, goody. No, oh, well, you know, obviously that's a bit tongue in cheek, but you did see, you know, the Fijian boys have flown from all over the world, you know, with try to quarantine and everything like that, and it does affect other things. Simon Rao Louis, the um, who's one of the top dogs at Fiji, in terms of the management side, it, he said it how things like that can affect and have a knock on effect for the Fijians if some of them have picked it up, and it's a massive shame because do you know what the French team are a decent outfit and they're improving massively, but the Fijian boys have always throwing down a hell of a challenge to the French team. And you've got some of those boys playing in France. You, know, you looked at the bat line that Fiji picked. My God, would you like to see that? It's a massive shame, especially with the way the competition's set up. I know the French team further down the line, they're not going to be able to play all their international players as well because of the, the big fallout between the FFR and the LNR, which is the Ligue Nationale Rugby over there. So, And the bad news for Scotland is that a lot of the French team, first choice French team, probably weren't going to play against Scotland, but they will be now. So Scotland might take fifty. Yeah, it'll be it'll be tough, but I think Scotland Scotland have to be have to be physical, don't they? They have to rough them up. Um, it's a it's a, it's a young French team. It's an exciting one, but you know it'll be interesting to see if the, if the rain comes in and it's and it's a sort of damp, horrible day. Whether Scotland can drag France into that arm wrestle and and try and grind out, you know, what would be a special victory for for Scotland. So. It's interesting, like you say, I think the weather will play a huge part. You know, that Toulouse kind of style that France are playing is obviously hampered by the weather and it'll be interesting to see how how those boys control the game if, if the weather sets in, you know, DuPont at nine and, and whoever they pick it at 10 because Intermax are obviously missing this weekend. So it'll be, um, it'll be interesting. If I was Scotland, I'd, I'd want to drag it into an arm wrestle, make it physical and, and see how these young French boys could, can manage games in, in difficult conditions. I think the interesting thing about this game is ultimately France lost to Scotland in the Six Nations in that game. They lost a bit of discipline, the French team as well, didn't they? Um, and that cost them a Grand Slam potentially, didn't it? 
um, looking at how everything panned out. And I think everyone expected France going to Scotland to win that game, except for Jim, um, who keeps reminding me of it. So I think France will go there with that in the back of their minds that that was the only thing between them and a Grand Slam this year after dusting off England and Ireland at home. Um, they beat Wales away as well, didn't they? And obviously the expected victory over Italy. But yeah, it'd be an interesting one because Scotland are obviously missing Finn still and, you know, Donkey Weir stepped in. Didn't look that great against Italy at times. But, you know, they'll back themselves, I think. And they've got, a, you know, on a bit of a confidence run at the minute after beating Wales a couple of weeks ago. Well, it's probably time to get your predictions for the Guinness Match Pint predictor this weekend. Then you can do Jim's for him, Freddie, and he's uh, been doing pretty well recently, so no pressure. And with pints temporarily off the table as the pubs are shut, Matchpoint and Guinness have teamed up to offer the overall winner of each round an ultimate Guinness game day bundle, which includes cans for the game, Guinness glassware, a rugby ball to chuck around, Deliveroo vouchers, and some other awesome snacks, as well as heaps of Guinness stash, so you can still predict and still win Guinness game day setups. We've got hold of some as well for our league, so the overall winner at the end of round three will be sent a bundle for the final round of games. Four and a half thousand rugby pod listeners have joined our private league already. So just download the Matchpoint app from all good app stores and predict the winner and margin of each game. Give it a go and make sure you join our league by using the code RugbyPod as well. And you and Jim are neck and neck on 39 points after the first weekend, Goody. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually backed, I think I backed Scotland to win by 12 and it was only 11. So that was a good result for me. Uh, England, I went by 50 and it was only 40. And Ireland, I didn't expect Ireland to spank... Wales by that much, but they did. Um, so unfortunately, Jim and I were on the same points at the minute. Right, we'll, we'll go through them. Italy v Fiji. Who are you guys got? Oh, oh, I don't know. It's a tough one because Italy were improved. You've got to back Fiji. I just love the Fijian boys. I'm going to go Fiji by eight. See, I think if it was me, I'd, I'd back Fiji, but I'm going to put my, my, gym, my gym hat on and uh, I'm going to go... Italy by 10. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like that. I like that. England, Ireland? England, Ireland. England, mate. England all day long. England by 12 as well. Oof. Confident, mate. Confident. Ireland haven't got a patch on us over the last few times we played them. Unless Billy Burns in the 10 shirt, then it's a different story. Come on, Billy. I was going to say, technically, this is a conflict of interest for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I come out of this. Either way, I'm going to get some abuse on social media. So let's say Ireland by three. And Billy kicks the winner. Yeah, Billy Burns drop goal to win it. There we go. <laughs> Wales, Georgia. Uh, oh, mate, Wales on a horrible run. But if you, mate, if you, if Pivac loses to Georgia, he's gone on Sunday. That's what I'm saying. He is gone on Sunday. So it's got to be Wales by 25 for me. I'm, I'm going to go. I was going to go Wales by 20. I think. It, I actually think it's going to be. I think it's going to be nervous for Wales. I wouldn't surprise me the first 20 minutes, half an hour. It's, it's going to be a. A tight game, so I'm going to go Wales to, to pull out in the end. But um, yeah, it'll be a tough old contest, I reckon. Scotland v France. Jim, uh, Freddie, Jim. Got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go France. I'm going to go France by. I'm actually going to go 25. I'm going to go big. Really, oh. France by 25. I'm going big, mate. Yeah, hopefully Jim's got to stick to these, right? It'll oh yeah, be absolutely mate. raging. He will be absolutely raging with that. If this was me, that's what I'd say. So lucky Jim, mate, but Scotland are getting pumped, boy. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I'm going to go France by... There's a lot of anger to come out of the French after losing to Scotland in the Six Nations at Murrayfield. So I'm going to go France by 12. 
Well, we'll get on to a very special Jim will solve it, or Freddie will solve it in just a minute. But first, Budgie Smuggler are on board with us again this week, so keep your weirder than weird fish stories coming in on social media to be in with a chance to win a pair of limited edition rugby pod Budgie Smugglers. Well, what's the weirdest thing you've seen so far in Japan, Freddie? Mate, I honestly don't reckon budgies would fit them, mate. There'd be bush left out. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be bush popping out everywhere. This is the perfect pod for the Japanese boys because you get a pair of budgies and then you get the manscape just to trim the bikini line, mate. Um, I went to a shopping mall uh, last week and there was a cat on a lead. Hey, There was a cat on a lead, like a dog. No. A woman was walking a cat on a lead and it was in a jumper. I've, I've seen, mate, honestly... I, <laughs> Who does that? Someone in Japan, mate. And like, it's like going into restaurants, taking your shoes off in restaurants. Don't forget, Budgie Smuggler have designed our very own limited edition Rugby Pod face masks so you can get your hands on them and loads of other great gear for winter. Just go to budgiesmugglerukcom A donation will be made to Matt Hampson Foundation for every one of the Rugby Pod masks that get sold as well. So a big thanks to Budgie Smuggler for all their support. And go and check them out at budgiesmugglerukcom Right, oh then, it's time for that very special Jim will solve it with Freddie will solve it. You ready for this one, Freddie? Not at all, mate. Not at all. I'm I'm a very left field thinker, which doesn't help. You cannot be any worse than Jim Hamilton. Let's just be honest with this one. All right, we'll we'll see. And someone special sent it in this week, haven't they, Goody? Yeah, they have. It's going viral around the world, and the boys in the Premiership, specifically one of my old clubs. I didn't quite play for them, but London Irish. Lovejoy Chawatama has got in touch with us and he sent me a message on Instagram and he wants to hear this riddle for Jim specifically. But unfortunately, Lovejoy, Jim ain't here this week, but Freddie is. So over to you, big Fred. Riddle be this, riddle be that. Fred will solve it. Peel Mate, Jim will be proud of that. Jim will be Thanks, very mate, proud Jeff. of that. Righto, here we go. You enter a room, two dogs, four horses, one giraffe and a duck are lying on the bed. Three chickens are flying over a chair. How many legs are on the ground? Ooh, it's a tough one, this. It's a real thinker's one, this, Fred. Hang on. No, hang on. So all the animals, all the animals are on the bed. Well, some, some of them are above the bed. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I mean. But the chickens are flying, so they aren't on the floor. What's the question? How many how many legs are on the floor? Yeah. I don't know whether this... I'm, I'm trying to think. There's a very obvious answer that's looking me in the face. How many chairs there are is, there? There is. So you enter a room, Freddy. There's two yeah, dogs, yeah, yeah. four horses, one giraffe, and a duck are lying on the bed. Yeah, yeah. Three chickens are flying over the chair. Yeah. How many, how many legs are on the ground? Eight. How'd you get eight? There's four... Oh, hang on. There's No, because... Ta- a- a bed doesn't have does a bed have legs? I think it does, Freddie. Yeah, so there's four bed legs. Yeah. And four chair legs. Yeah. And four plus four is eight. Yeah. The chickens are flying. Oh, hang on. Ten. Because I walked in the room. Hey. Yes! <laughs> you nailed yes. it. Oh. I nailed it. He nailed it. Jim would have been there for about half an hour trying to work that one out. So, uh, mate, Freddie solved it. Mate, I will bloom in. I'm taking that, boys. I'm very happy. Well, normally you'd be here for 10 minutes listening to Jim. I absolutely butcher that, but I've absolutely put him to shame. So, Jimbo, this is for you, mate. Riddle me this. Riddle me that. Fred fucking solved <laughs> it. <laughs> Have that, Jim. 
Hey, Jim will be absolutely devastated with that. And the Premiership's back again this week. Uh, do you guys want to have a brief look at that? Must be weird for you, Freddie, not being in it after being in the start of every Premiership game for the last 40 years. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, not that old, but no, it is weird. Um, but then, you know, it's a fresh challenge from out here. But I think uh, it's going to be interesting, mate. It's been a short pre-season for the boys. Some teams obviously just sort of threw the towel in at the end of last year and didn't really compete. So it'll be interesting to see how how those teams step up. So, yeah, I'll keep my eye on it from out here. But, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's hard to really get a gauge because I felt the integrity of the season last year was was massively jeopardised by the fact that, that teams decided to field, you know, lesser teams. And because of the scheduling, there's a lot of rotation. So it's really going to be an unknown start to the season. Obviously, Exeter are going to be up there challenging like they always are. But anyone else, you, you just don't know what's going to happen. So... It should be a, an, an entertaining one. Yeah, especially with the, all these internationals and, and how much... I don't think people realise how little the international players can play in the Premiership. I think the England players and the internationals can only play in something like four rounds of the first 13 or 14 or something crazy like that because not only have they got these games now, they have some rest weeks, but then they've got the Six Nations kicking in. The good thing, though, at the minute, as it stands, uh, and we'll see as things develop because obviously if a team or a club has games cancelled because of coronavirus. There's no midweek games. So you'd hope that we're going to see, um, as Freddie mentioned then, about the integrity of the competition. You know, there was an under-13s team put out one week against the first team. So it'll be hard to kind of garner who's going to be the top team. Listen, extra will be quality. I think I don't think Wasps lose too many to international rugby. I know obviously they've lost Dan Robson, Minotzi, uh, Launchbury and Jack Willis. You know, some of those boys may go back um, over time. But yeah, I mean, Bath were looking good until the back end. You know, obviously they got spanked in the semi-final. Sale have a massive point to prove after they felt they should have been in the playoffs had they not had that last game cancelled. And, you know, Simon Orange, friend of the show, has, has made a couple of comments on Twitter, which I quite enjoyed this week. So they'll be, you know, chomping at the bit as well. Newcastle lost to Ealing two weeks ago, beat them this weekend, see how they come up. But again, Exeter will be the team for everyone to beat. There's been a few rumours flying around over the past week or so about players leaving the Premiership, hasn't there? There has. There has, and Freddie might have some intel on this for us. Zach Mercer, is he off to France, Fred? I'll be honest with you, if you give me five minutes, I'll give him a call and see if I can find out. But, um, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest, it's, it's, the, it's the first I've heard of it. I know, you know, for me, Zach Merce is a player that should be in that England squad. And I've been that kind of player at Bath as well, where, you know, he was, he was fit at the end of last year and just, just not selected. And as a player who can play anywhere in the back row and play those positions very well, I'd be extremely frustrated. He won't want to sit and watch his career passing by by sitting on the bench or, or not being involved at Bath. So uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if he looked elsewhere. Uh, that's just my opinion. Um, but he's a world-class player who needs to be playing week in, week out, not, you know, not holding a bag for, for the Bath first team in the week. Interesting, isn't it? Because he was obviously in the mix. He got capped. Um, he came on a live show with us down in London. He's a top bloke, isn't he? Proper northern, salt-of-the-earth guy. Um, you know, I think he had a, a massive knee injury, didn't he, that kind of took him out of contention for a while. Now you've seen the back row options with Curry, Underhill. Obviously, Jack Willis has come through off the back of his injury a couple of years ago. You know, we've got Ben Earl come through crazy good as well. Billy's there. There's just a plethora of, of back row options. So, you know, it's like anything. As a player that's come into a contract negotiation, and, you know, you mentioned it on air, look at Billy. Look at your brother. He probably went from having the worst day of his life when they found out that Gloucester had signed Cipriani because that ultimate, ultimately 
they'd probably expect him to be first choice. To then Saturday was probably the, one of the best days of his life, playing for Ireland off the back of moving because they'd signed Cipriani to Ireland and playing for Ulster, and it's a brilliant story. So, with every decision that a player makes when they're coming out of contract, and you know they've got other options, you know you just have to be really. I suppose selfish and just make the best decision for you and your family. And you know, I, I suppose club feelings come into it, and people talk about loyalty, but there ain't any loyalty anymore, is there? Um, in terms of clubs to players, so each player has to make what is the best decision for him at that time. And you know, if Zach Mercer's not getting as much love at Bath as perhaps he should or or he was used to, and he's getting offered, he might be getting offered twice as much in terms of Euros from Montpellier, which we know they've got a boatload of cash, and Montpellier aren't going that well this this season so far. Philippe Saint-André knows English game. Philippe Saint-André has openly gone out in the press and gone, I'm looking at a player like Zach Mercer. €750,000, yes please, I'd sign that contract, wouldn't he? And that's as brutal as it is these these days. You've got to take into account as well the, the, the whole pay cut situation. Like, I know no one wants to be pay cut. I know there's people that have lost jobs and are in a lot worse position than, than rugby players. However, it's a short career. Boys need to take out of it what they can. And if you're being asked or you're being offered to double your pay and to be looked after maybe a little bit better, then you're going to seriously consider it. You know, I had plenty of phone calls from players asking me how I got this deal in Japan because financially they wanted that stability over the honour of playing premiership rugby, which the minute someone deems you're not good enough, you just chuck that out the door. So, you know, you can't blame players for that. There's, there's definitely no loyalty now in in rugby and, and players will make moves a for their enjoyment but also for for their financial stability going forward do you think bath are mismanaging him a little bit uh i'm gonna say yeah like i you know i've i've been i've been heavily critical of, of how i felt i was i was treated at bath and you know i've left there now and i don't want to keep going after him it's, it's not it's not a case of like naming and shaming or 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 being bitter obviously i wish things went a bit different but I've definitely felt that that there is a fair amount of, of mismanagement down there. And I know if, if Zach was being, obviously I don't know this, but if Zach was being treated near the way that I felt I was being treated, then it wouldn't be a place where I'd want to stay if it was me again, if that makes sense. So, you know, I, I don't want to shut Bath down. They're, they're a great club. They're, they, they bounced back unbelievably well last year. But yeah, I think management now in the game of, of rugby is, it's kind of gone, mate. Like you know, it's it's you're as valued as until they decide you're not, and then you're you're left scraping the barrel. So if someone wants to offer you obscene amounts of cash to go in and play somewhere else, then you've got to consider it. Marcus Smith apparently could be heading to France as well. Do you hear that? Well, I heard that one. But I also heard he's been linked with. We spoke about it just then. Um, Bath as well, because <laughs> obviously. You know, you, you look at mismanagement, obviously what Bath did with Freddie and I can talk about it as his mate, you know, ultimately they, they told Reese Priestland a couple of years ago they didn't have a contract for him and then, you know, <laughs> that turned around. So they've, they tried to get Andre Pollard, we spoke about this on the pod before. I mean, it just seems like they're chucking anything at anyone and Marcus Smith, quality player, let's, let's not, um, you know, sugarcoat anything. He's played exceptionally well as a young kid, he's got an immense talent, um, you know, in terms of managing a game. He's still got a lot to learn around that, but his actual raw skills, he is pretty good and very good, actually. And I think you know, he scored a boatload of points. He kicks his goals. Bath are possibly looking at a, a Priestland replacement long-term and Marcus Smith certainly fits the bill for um, you know a young Englishman that you can 
A, you get EPS money out of as well if he's in the squad. He's English qualified. Um, so that sort of kind of ticks that box. And he's young enough as well. So it'd be interesting if he goes there. I can't see Marcus Smith going to Leon at the minute. Um, I really can't. Although the door for him with being involved with England does potentially seem shut at the moment behind, obviously, forward, if he was fit. Farrell's playing at 10 at the minute. Jacob Umung is in the squad. Aljo Simmons isn't in there. Still, I've got no idea. So maybe he will look there. Who knows? But it's nice to see the rugby room of bandwagon is back and there's big Euros being dished around because um, Euros are nice. All right, well, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly. And Suns are back on board again this week, aren't they, Goody? Yes, they are. And it's done wonders for mine and Jim's hair. Freddie, you're a younger man than myself and Jim. You don't need sorting, though, do you, Fred? Oh, just on the sides, mate, after some Japanese hairdresser absolutely butchered me up the other day and I forgot to keep the receipt. <laughs> well, to be fair, even though I could keep the receipt, I couldn't read it anyway. I'd probably try and exchange the haircut and it would be the loaf of bread I bought. So, uh, no, mate, yeah, just for the sides, please. Well, Suns is a men's health brand that's helping guys with one of the key issues that they don't often talk about, how to keep their hair. They do this by offering free online consultations with GPs, providing a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss and delivering via a monthly or three-monthly subscription direct to your door. They get results in 9 out of 10 men as well, and you can take the consultation in less than two minutes. Results can be seen from three months, and their three-month plans are the most cost-effective. November is the time to give it a try as well as uh, running a cyber promo on all of their three-month plans. So just visit suns.co.uk and use the code RUGBYPOD20 to get 20 quid off your first order. That's S-O-N-S.co.uk and the code is RUGBYPOD20. So go and check them out and show hair loss who's boss. Plenty of good as ever this week and we're going to start off, well we'll start off in Ireland. We'll talk about Freddie's brother, Billy Burns, getting his first cap for Ireland. Uh, his debut, brilliant performance from him, kicks his first points as well. Pretty easy points, but nonetheless, a massively proud moment for the Burns family. Uh, what else was good? James Lowe, scoring a try on debut. He was absolutely everywhere. He's a friend of the podcast. Of course he is. And he just dominated every time he touched the ball. He looks like a British lion in waiting. Let's go to the England game now. And while it wasn't a particularly good affair... Jamie George, the first ever England hooker to get a hat-trick. That deserves a massive shout-out. Three pretty simple tries, and he admitted himself it was all the work of the rest of the forward pack, but a hell of an effort from him either way. And Jack Willis on debut, scoring a try. I thought it was tremendous throughout the 45 or so minutes that he played before Eddie Jones took him off, hopefully to protect him for bigger and better things to come, because with that performance, a try on debut as well, he was absolutely brilliant. And then there's only one place to go for the good this week. Argentina, they were unbelievable. And a massive shout out goes to Nicolas Sanchez kicking all 25 points for Argentina. Beat the All Blacks for the first time ever, 25-15, 29 defeats prior to this game. So you saw the emotion pouring out of all of them after the game. Nicolas Sanchez, dominant performance. Pablo Matera, unbelievable captaincy and what an interaction with the referee as well. I thought it was outstanding. And then Jim's old mate, Mario Ledesma, the coach, the leader, crying during his interview just shows how much it meant to the Argentinian team, beating the All Blacks after not playing a game since the 2019 World Cup. One hell of an effort, and that's why Argentina get the good this week. The bad, a few bits of bad to talk about this week. We're going to start off over in Italy, and unfortunately, 
friend of the show as well, Jake Pelledry, looked like he had a pretty bad knee injury against Scotland. Uh, so our thoughts are with him and wish him a speedy recovery, but it didn't look good. Um, what else was bad? Some bad news came out of the game this week, and a, a man that I got to know really well at my days at Worcester Warriors, Cecil Duckworth, the owner, unfortunately has passed away this week. So all our thoughts are with his family, Beatrice, his wife as well, and the club. Um, he's a, such a wonderful gentleman, Cecil was. He poured his heart and soul into that club. Everything he did around the ground at Six Ways and built the club up from the National Leagues all the way to be the Premiership team that they are now. Uh, he certainly won't be forgotten. A wonderful man who's put smiles on many people's faces for the work he's done at Worcester. So rest in peace, Cecil Duckworth. What else was bad? Well, Wales. We mentioned them in the bad week in, week out at the minute, don't we? Got absolutely humped over in Ireland. That's six losses on the spin for Wayne Pivak's men. Not great at all, is it? But they don't get the bad this week. They get a mention. Of course they do. But the bad has to go to the All Blacks. And I say that with a little chuckle because I gave it to them last week as well. Back-to-back defeats. The first time since 2011 that New Zealand have lost two games on the spin. Australia last week, now Argentina this week. So arrogant, the Kiwis. So, so arrogant. And unfortunately, Andy Rowe, for you and your All Blacks, you get the bad this week. Uh, The ugly. Well, sticking with the theme, really. Argentina get the good. The bad went to New Zealand. The ugly... It's going to come from that area. It's going to come from that game. It's going to come from John Kerwin. Absolutely ugly comments. Not only last week did he belittle the red card, saying that there's no place for the red cards like that in the game anymore. Get rid of them. We want to see players on the field. Well, no, 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 John Kerwin. Not only did you talk a load of garbage about that, but you banged on about Argentina in the build-up to that game, and you look like an absolute fool right now. Complete egg on your face in terms of the comments you made, disrespecting the Argentinians, basically saying it was going to be a walkover. Another classic arrogant New Zealander. So John Kerwin, you've got egg all over your face. You've come across in a pretty bad way this week. It's absolutely ugly. So that is why you get the ugly this week. Thanks, Goody, and a big thanks to Freddie, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. Leave us a review, and check us out on YouTube as well. Freddie, sort the Japanese bush out. I'm on it, mate. Pod, pod, pod. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Uh-huh.